If you haven't been with us for the last number of weeks, this is week six of what we're calling Motive Six. I'm sorry, I just accidentally lied. Week five. <laughs> week five of Motive Six. It's the last week. We're in Matthew six for the last number of weeks, and we're ending up in that last section where Jesus says in verse 33, where he makes his main point of this whole entire ch- chapter that we've looked at here. The, the idea is this. Seek first. His kingdom. We'll come back to that later. And it's something that's a theme and a thread throughout all of what we'll talk about today. So today, we uh, we talk uh, a little bit about anxiety. Worry. Fear. Fill in your own synonym. We've all got those kinds of feelings. I woke up this morning... And I declared to myself, okay, Scott, you normally get up, you're, you're, you're fired and ready, you're, you're taking a quick shower, you're, you're getting on your clothes real quick, you know, I'm, I'm ironing like crazy, and, and, and I found myself, that's not funny, I iron. Amen. <laughs> um, I, I kind of usually iron. No, I do, I do iron. But usually when I iron, we're talking like, you know, starch, go over everything twice. It takes me 10 minutes for a shirt. I, I am not exaggerating. You can ask my wife. Um, I, I'm kind of a, a type A uh, OCD freak uh, when it comes to that kind of perfectionism thing. Those of you who know me can probably say a mentally amen to yourself. I, yeah. um, but I declared today to myself, anxiety-free Sunday. <laughs> and I've been trying to live up to that ever since, which, you know. By the time I got here this morning, um, that had been tested uh, probably a dozen times before I walked out the door. Um, I, I'm getting to the van, and, and, and I take the keys out, and I accidentally drop them. And so I think, oh, well, I, you know, I can just get them. They dropped in the seat behind me. So, so ten minutes later, I cannot find my keys. And so they're lodged in the bottom of the seatbelt thing where it comes up. And, and I have no idea where they are. And so I'm thinking, okay, Lord, anxiety-free Sunday. I'll take the car. I'll come back and pick up the rest of my family. As soon as I lock the door and shut it to the van as I've lost my keys, I realize, ah, oh, I left the lights on. And so I'm probably going to have to jump the van later on. I haven't even made it to church yet, and an anxiety-free Sunday is sort of, sort of being tested for me personally. And I walk in the door to the church, and I unlock the front door, and I, I go straight to the alarm, and I, you know, I think to myself as I regularly do, time to you know, make the donuts, and let's, let's do this. You know. I, I'm, I'm raring to go. And uh, so I, I get to my door, and I think, oh, wait, it's anxiety-free Sunday. So I start to walk slowly and unlock the door and, and find myself hitting this passage head on personally. And it's not even seven o'clock yet. This kind of anxiety filled life that we sometimes lead is a test for us as believers. It's something that whatever the issue, whatever the cause, whatever the thing, this hits us because we all have things that we worry about. Here's a list of common anxieties. See if any of them hit home for you. If you're like me, they all hit home. Disease, sickness, poor health, 
How many of you have people in your family, immediate or uh, extended family, who have experienced cancer? Anybody? Ever had anxiety for sickness and disease and not sure mom's going to make it? How about losing your job, losing your income, loneliness, uncertainty about your future, the fear of failure, the fear of making decisions, fear of conflict, fear of rejection, fear of ignorance, lack of knowledge, Fear of losing your most important relationships in life. Fear of public speaking. Uh, I actually do have some of that. Fear of being poor was listed as a common fear. Fear of success. Freedom from worry and anxiety is easier said than done. History teaches us that in order to keep kingdoms secure, most kings throughout history have found that it works best to keep their subjects in constant anxiety. If the people are anxious about their own lives and worry about where their next meal is coming from, perhaps they would be more willing to do the king's bidding in order to get the food they need from the king's storehouse. Anxiety keeps people in their place. Fear makes the monarchy firm and the authority strong. But today's message... (laughs) is a a contrast to that. Today's message is this. One of the greatest things about Jesus is that he does not want his people to be anxious. The main point of today's text is that God does not secure his kingship by cultivating anxiety in his subjects. On the contrary, the aim of God's kingship is to free us from anxiety. God doesn't need to keep us anxious in order to establish his power and authority. Instead, he exalts his power and his superiority and his authority by working to take away our anxiety. If you're born again, if you've turned away from sin and are following Jesus as Lord in the obedience of faith, his will for you this morning is that you do not need to be anxious about, as Jesus says, and he uses this word, anything. It's easier said than done, Jesus. God's will for us is that we enjoy a deep serenity and a peace and security that extends beyond our worldly circumstances. And Jesus speaks these words in Matthew 6 precisely for you and I so that he can help us overcome whatever is making you anxious this morning. Let's look at seven reasons why Jesus tells us that we do not need to be anxious. These all come straight from the passage here in Matthew 6. That first blank is this. 
The first reason is life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Straight out of verse 25. Now, I'm passing over the first part of that verse, and I'm going straight to this reason that is found in the last part of this verse. It says this, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or drink, or your body, what you will put on. And and here's the reason at the last part of that verse. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Since... Since life can't be sustained without food, and the body will freeze or, or be shamed with, without clothing and coverage, Jesus must mean this. Life and body is made up of something more than the physical stuff sustained by food and covered by clothing. Life is more than what we see and touch and tangibly and palpably hold as evidence that we are alive. He says, in other words, don't be anxious about your soul and your body because those who might take your food and your clothing and even maybe cause you death cannot rob your real life from you. Nobody can take away your resurrection body if you are in Christ. The bottom line defense against anxiety is this. In Christ... You are immortal. In Christ, when we are found in Him, as Paul says throughout the New Testament, you are immortal. And to die, as he says, is simply gain. That's why he says in Luke 12, verse 4, he says, Do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more they can do. In other words, there is something far worse than death, and it can never happen to you in Christ. So... Don't be anxious. So, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his righteousness. And all of those things, they'll be added to you. The second reason we know that Jesus wants to free us from anxiety is that you and I, we are more valuable than the birds that God feeds. This is straight out of verse 26 here. You are more valuable than the birds that God feeds. Verse 26 says this, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reek nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Here the argument, not to be anxious, has two premises, two propositions or principles that lead to this conclusion. The two propositions are this. Premise one, God is so in control of the created order that he may be said to feed the birds of the air. Every berry eaten or or insect snatched from the air or or worm pulled from the ground is provided by God. He does that for birds. So premise two, You are of more value than they. God values you more. He is more committed to you as people who are able to glorify him, who are created in his image in contrast to animals and birds of the air. So put together those two concepts, that God is in control of the created order, and he values you. So... Don't be anxious 
about where you're going to eat after this. Verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You'll have enough to eat. He cares about you enough. It's like it says in 1 Peter 5, cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. These seven reasons Jesus gives us are comfort for us. Reason three, anxiety accomplishes nothing. Verse 27, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? It's just a a simple, it's it's a practical argument. Anxiety does no good. It accomplishes nothing. It, it doesn't actually help. So, preach this to yourself. I am accomplishing nothing helpful by this anxiety. It is only making a hard situation harder. I will listen to Jesus and I will dismiss this useless emotion of needless fear. Just say to yourself, I I tried to this morning, I refuse to be mastered by a useless emotion. Like fear that comes from somewhere other than the Lord who cares about me. If you just said that as a mantra to yourself, I refuse to be mastered by a useless emotion. It would be helpful. But, instead of that, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The fourth reason is this. The grass and the lilies that God clothes last for a day, but you and I are eternal. Straight out of verses 28 through 30. The grass and the lilies that God clothes last for a while, but you are eternal. Verses 28 through 30 says this. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Verse 29. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. The argument here, consider Solomon. In all of his glory, as as perhaps the wealthiest person in, in all of history, He was not arrayed. He was not clothed. He did not look like the beauty of the lily of the field, which doesn't toil and spin and use its money. It doesn't have to manufacture. God takes care of it. This is almost the same kind of argument as the birds of the air argument, but not quite. The point there was that you are more valuable than the birds that God's feet 
that, 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 then, that God feeds. The point here is that you are eternal. And the grass and the lilies, they're temporary. I remember as a kid thinking, I would, I would love to live forever. Don't you remember thinking that? I would love to. <laughs> How cool would it be to have everlasting life? And yet I think, as I'm reading this passage, I have it. Eternity does not start when we die. It started when you were born, in the mind of God. God takes care of those things that will be gone tomorrow. And yet you are forever. God's sovereignty and his care extend to the seemingly insignificant color of a lily in a clover patch. That's his doing. And the inference for us is this. If God is so intimately and lavishly involved with with grass and with flowers, which are like a vapor, then how will he not also care for his children whom he created in his image who will last forever? A comforting truth. So Jesus says, trust me. Trust me. Anxiety is a trust issue. Come what may, he will take care of you. In the meantime, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The fifth one is this. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. He knows what you need. Verse 32, the second part of it there, verse 32b. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. The argument is this. Don't be anxious because you have a father, a heavenly, not earthly father. He knows exactly what you need. The word father there means that he loves you and you are on his heart as his child as one he created and cares for and loves and nurtures. That he's our heavenly father means that he is, he is sovereign over all creation. And somehow, in our anxiety, we think we're exempt from that. <laughs> Do you realize how silly that seems to the God who made you and loves you? When our anxiety is our own exemption from that rule, Can you imagine your own child having anxiety because they don't think you care for them? He knows what you need. He is never at a loss to know what is good for you. And he has all the wisdom it takes to meet your true needs. Despite the fact that we toil and we spin and we're sure we know our needs better than he does. So, rest in the knowledge that your father knows what you need. Number six. Next to last reason that we can live a worry-free life is that God will supply everything you need to do his will 
and his righteousness. The goal is his will and righteousness. His will and righteousness. It is so easy for us to manufacture our lives and our circumstances around our wills and our righteousness of earthbound concerns and things that just plain make us crazy with fear. All of those fears I listed at the beginning, man-based fears, human-based, earthly-based, circumstantial fears doesn't mean you don't feel them, doesn't mean they're not real. We experience those. We all know those anxieties very well. But God will supply everything you need to do his will and his righteousness. He promises that some of us, by the way, will be imprisoned, beaten, Killed, as he talked about in the New Testament. Paul says in Romans 8 that famine and nakedness and suffering will come. And yet, in that same passage, those of us who are in Christ will not be separated from that love and care. It doesn't matter your circumstances. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how much you make, how little you make. Who cares, Jesus says. You have everything you ever will ever, ever need to do what is good and right in his sight. You've got it. Not when you pay off that debt. That's not going to, all of a sudden, you're going to have all that I need to do his will and righteousness. That, that won't do it. Not when you have finally amassed enough to, 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 to call yourself secure. Not all of a sudden does a switch go off and you have what you need to do his will and righteousness. Not when that promotion comes. Not when blank. There is no guaranteed physical or even emotional comfort in this world. No guaranteed life here and now, that is easy and comfortable and without suffering. But, he says, no trial will befall you for which he will not give you all that you need to endure. Lastly, God does not overload any particular day with trouble. God does not overload any day with trouble. Verse 34 says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Each day uh, apparently has an appointed amount of trouble. So, so don't reach into tomorrow and bring those troubles into today. The comforting point of this is not explicitly said in these terms here, but it is obvious by what Jesus says here, that he's trying to bring comfort and peace in a life filled with anxiety. Lamentations 3. It's a great passage that says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Mine will. I'm sorry. I, I'll do the best I can. 
yours will for one another and for me. Our, our, our love, hopefully, in our finer moments, can be called steadfast and faithful and true. But it says the steadfast love of the only one to whom we go and on whom we can depend to keep us from those canes of anxieties, that love is steadfast. The steadfast love of him doesn't stop, never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. (laughs) It doesn't take long in life for us to know that our mercies with one another have a short shelf life. It is hard to continue extending grace to people in relationships. It's hard for mercy to keep going. But he says, my mercies never stop. They are new every morning. And his faithfulness is great. At the end of a series where we've talked about our motive for living righteous lives. I just thought that it would be good for us in a week where we're going to celebrate God's blessings and consider the ways in which we have inestimable things and relationships and mercy and grace and goodness that we can thank him for. In a week where that is coming, I thought it would be helpful for us to hear seven ways from this passage. These seven arguments that are a gift to you and to uh, to me from the Lord Jesus to free us from the anxiety and to make us generous people. Receive these words from Jesus to you. Make them the means by which, as you leave this place, you fight the good faith fight every day. I don't have to tell you, we live in grave days. Suffering is real, even in fancy, luxurious America. We have anxieties, we have fears, we lose jobs, people have cancer. Relationships are not great. Miscarriages happen. Accidents in your car happen. Locking keys in a van, leaving the light on, happens. In the middle of that place and that that world, there is one group of people more than all others. All the other little K kingdoms of the world should be a contrast to the one group of people more than all others who should be free from anxiety as a crippling disease like it is for many people. And that's those who follow Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we want to have hearts that beat with yours. And we know, Lord, that it is so easy for us to be distracted by the things that make us worry. So, 
So we give that up to you and ask that you would continue to do the work of salvation that we cannot. We realize, Lord, that we cannot earn our way, that we cannot be good enough, that we cannot be smart enough, well-loved enough. And so we ask, Lord, that you would continue to shower upon us things for which we can be thankful like doing the work on the cross that we cannot. And so we love you for that, Lord, that transaction by which you made it available to us to be in perfect relationship with you, though we don't deserve it and we don't yet enjoy all the benefits of that. We enjoy enough to know, Lord, that you can free us from some of those things that are on our hearts and minds weighing heavily. So for us as a congregation, as a body, as, as families, as marriages, that you would, we ask that you would continue to make of us places in those contexts where freedom from those worries can mark our relationships and the way we talk, the way we are kind to one another. So that we would all have that, that knowledge that you have done what we cannot. We thank you for that, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Friends, if you're a baptized believer in Christ and you're looking for a church home, we'd like to invite you as we stand to sing in just a moment to come forward. If you'd like to name Jesus publicly as your Savior in the waters of baptism, we ask that you would also come forward as we stand and as we sing together. Thank you.